Hi everyone, welcome back to the Daily Gospel Exegesis podcast produced by Logical Bible Study. I hope you're appreciating this approach to scripture. We're trying to give you the tools to understand the literal sense of the Bible. What did these words mean in their original context? How would they have understood them? And that's where we have to start as Catholics. If we follow the teaching of the church, we have to start with the literal sense. Today we have a reading that's probably one of the least often readings heard at Mass. So it's read once in the liturgical cycle, which is Thursday of week three of Advent. But that particular day on the lectionary only occurs in a few years. So in most years, that day is actually overridden on feast days leading up to Christmas. So you only get to hear this particular reading occasionally in certain years. So today's reading is from Luke chapter 7, verse 24 to 30. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to talk to the people about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the breeze? No? Then what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who go in for fine clothes and live luxuriously are to be found at court. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and much more than a prophet. He is the one of whom Scripture says, See, I am going to send my messenger before you. He will prepare the way before you. I tell you, of all the children born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. All the people who heard him, and the tax collectors too, acknowledged God's plan by accepting baptism from John. But by refusing baptism from him, the Pharisees and the lawyers had thwarted what God had in mind for them. So this is a really interesting reading, one you might not have heard that often. So let's start by thinking about the context. It's still quite early in Jesus' ministry. John the Baptist has just sent messengers to ask Jesus if he is the Messiah. And in that previous passage, which you might have heard yesterday, Jesus confirms that he is the Messiah. And now he's going to use that opportunity to talk to the crowds about John the Baptist, his significance and his identity. Verse 24, when John's messengers had gone, so John's messengers hear what Jesus has to say and then they go back to John the Baptist, Jesus began to talk to the people about John. So there's all sorts of crowds here listening to Jesus. And by this point, John the Baptist is very well known and probably many of the people following Jesus had already gone to John the Baptist to listen to him as well. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? And that's a good question because going out into the hot, big wilderness is not a small thing. You would only go out into the wilderness if you absolutely have to. Curiosity alone would not be a good enough reason for someone to go and see John the Baptist. So Jesus here is already starting to get them to think about, well, surely there must be a good reason why you went out to see John the Baptist. He must be significant. He goes on. Did you go to see a reed swaying in the breeze? Another translation there is a reed shaken by the wind. Now, there's different views about what Jesus is doing here. Some scholars think that Jesus here is actually referring to real reeds that, were, that grew in that area. So maybe Jesus is saying, as a rhetorical question, did you go out into the wilderness just to see some reeds going in the breeze? I think a better, trans, a better understanding of this would be that Jesus is using as a metaphor for someone who's a pushover. Did you go out into the wilderness to see a reed swaying in the breeze? As in, uh, uh, someone who's a pushover. And this is a rhetorical question. The obvious answer to this is no. 
you wouldn't go out into the wilderness to see a pushover. John the Baptist does not bow to political pressure. He's no pushover. So Jesus is trying to get them to think deeper about why did they really go out to see him? And therefore, who is John the Baptist really? That's what he's getting them to think about. Verse 25, no, then what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? So this is another rhetorical question. The obvious answer is no, that's not why they went out to see John. In fact, he definitely didn't have those kinds of clothes. He had uh, camel's hair and other things like that. So Jesus is getting them to really think about what is it about John the Baptist that drew people to him? Jesus goes on, no, those who go in for fine clothes and live luxuriously are to be found at court. Or a better translation there is, are in king's courts. So you wouldn't go out into the wilderness to find someone wearing fine clothes because someone wearing fine clothes would be in a king's court, not in the wilderness. Now, some scholars think that there's even more going on here. Maybe Jesus is deliberately uh, using metaphors here in order to contrast John the Baptist with Herod Antipas, who is the ruler in the area of the world where both Jesus does his ministry and also... Uh, where John the Baptist did his ministry. In fact, Herod Antipas is the chief opponent of John. He's the one that ends up killing John the Baptist. Think about the things Jesus has said. He said, did you go out to see a reed blowing in the breeze? Did you go out to see someone clothed in fine raiment? Well, we know that Herod Antipas did have great wealth. He was a king and he did have fine linen. In fact, we later learn that he clothes Jesus in fine linen during his trial. But also Herod Antipas minted coins stamped with the emblem of a reed. So maybe by Jesus mentioning both of these things, maybe Jesus is doing multiple things at once with his speech here. He's getting them to perhaps think about Herod Antipas in the background here. And if that's the case, Jesus is contrasting John the Baptist with Herod. He's saying that John the Baptist is a true strong leader, while Antipas is a weak leader. Perhaps Jesus is doing some of that in the background. Jesus goes on, Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Now, the answer to this question is yes. Unlike the other two questions where the answer was no, the answer to this one is yes, he is a prophet. That probably is the reason that the crowds went to go see him, because they recognize that he's a genuine prophet. And as Jesus basically says here, yes, you are right, he was a prophet, but actually he was much more than that. So next thing he says is, yes, I tell you, and much more than a prophet. As we'll see here, Jesus teaches that John the Baptist is indeed a prophet. He's in fact the most important of all the prophets. He is the latest and greatest prophet. He's the very herald of the kingdom of God and the Messiah. Verse 27, Jesus now is going to quote the Old Testament to show that John the Baptist is the fulfillment of some of these scriptures. So Jesus says, he is the one of whom scripture says. So let's think about what Jesus is doing here. He's confirming that a particular Old Testament passage does indeed refer to John the Baptist. This is one place where Jesus says, this is what this Old Testament passage was referring to. He says, absolutely, that's what this was referring to. And the quote he gives us is, see, I am going to send my messenger before you. He will prepare the way before you. Now, this is a quote from Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. So if you read that in context of the book of Malachi, Malachi here is foreseeing a messenger that will come to prepare Israel for the kingdom of God. And it seems, if you read it in context, it looks like Malachi was thinking that this messenger who would lead people to get ready for the kingdom was probably Elijah, the prophet Elijah. And we know from elsewhere, Jesus explicitly says, John the Baptist is the fulfillment of Elijah. He is the new Elijah. So that's an interesting connection. Malachi was not only thinking that a random 
prophet would prepare people for the kingdom of God. He actually thought it would be Elijah. And John the Baptist is basically Elijah in the teaching of Jesus. Now, some scholars think there's possibly another scripture that Jesus has built in here to Exodus chapter 23, verse 20. Perhaps the first part of this quote, I'm going to send my messenger before you. Some scholars think that that probably lines up more with Exodus rather than the quote from Malachi. And if that's correct, that passage there in Exodus also has significance because that's talking about how God is going to lead the Israelites in the wilderness as part of the Exodus. So if that's what is in mind here about John the Baptist, John the Baptist has a key role in leading people to the new Exodus. So there might be an interesting connection going on here, but it seems that the main quote is from Malachi chapter 3. Notice here something else about this quote that Jesus says is fulfilled. I'm going to send my messenger before you. He will prepare the way before you. Given the use of the word you here and the context of what Jesus is speaking about, Jesus intends the crowd to understand that the you is basically Jesus himself. I'm going to send my messenger before you, before the Messiah. So if that's the right way of thinking about it, Jesus is affirming that he himself is the Messiah that John the Baptist was preparing people for. It's one of those subtle hints where Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah without explicitly saying it that way. Verse 28, Jesus is now going to tell us, uh, probably give us the highest possible praise of John the Baptist. He says in verse 28, I tell you of all the children born of women, there is no one greater than John. Now that's only the first half of the quote, but let's unpack that a bit. That's a big statement. Of all people ever born, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. That is Jesus' view of John the Baptist. How is that true? How is John the Baptist greater than Moses, than Elijah, than all the prophets? It seems to be because John the Baptist is the person who is most clearly perceived and preached the kingdom of God up to this point. He's the one who's had the fullest understanding of the kingdom of God and who's been able to make it the clearest to people. So John is the latest and greatest of the prophets in the old age. The Jews at the time of Jesus believed that history was going to be divided into two great ages, the old age and then the new messianic age. So Jesus here is basically saying in the old age, John the Baptist is the greatest. But then he says this, this, Yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. Really interesting teaching here from Jesus. The least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist, even though John the Baptist is the greatest of all men up to that point. So here Jesus tells us several really important theological things. He firstly tells us that John the Baptist was not in the kingdom of God because he explicitly says anyone who is in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. So that means John the Baptist is not in the kingdom of God. That happens after Uh, John the Baptist. And we can say that that's because, in a sense, Jesus opens the way to the kingdom of God fully with his death, which has not happened yet. And secondly, the kingdom of God began just after the preaching of John the Baptist. And we can see this particularly from the other gospels, is that the kingdom of God comes straight on the heels of the preaching of John the Baptist. They're very closely tied together. And thirdly, the kingdom of God is far greater than the old system. Jesus says that anyone who is privileged to be part of the kingdom of God, part of the new messianic age, the church, basically, Jesus says that anyone who is part of that new covenant is greater than John the Baptist. That's quite remarkable. So why does Jesus feel the need to say this here? Maybe he wants to stress to the people, John the Baptist was great. He's the greatest of the prophets. However, don't stop with him. There's something even greater, which is the kingdom of God. He's reminding them to put their focus back on himself as the Messiah and the kingdom of God. 
Now, based on this passage, many people would say that really the Old Testament doesn't end with Malachi or any other book of the Old Testament. Really, the Old Testament or the Old Covenant technically ends with John the Baptist. He's the last prophet of the Old Covenant. The New Covenant begins straight after him. That seems to be theologically accurate, according to Jesus. Notice the phrase here Jesus uses, yet the least in the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be the least in the kingdom of God? Well, certainly it implies that people will have rankings in the kingdom in some way. And Jesus here says that even the person with the lowest ranking in the kingdom will still be considered far greater than the best person in the old covenant. Now, Matthew's version of Jesus' teaching here tells us that at this point, Jesus also says this, Since John the Baptist came up to the present time, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and the violent are taking it by storm because it was towards John that all the prophecies of the prophets and of the law were leading. And he, if you will believe me, is the Elijah who was to return. So all of those really significant things about John the Baptist, uh, Jesus says very next, but Luke doesn't record it. So if you want to hear an exegesis of that one, you can hear it on Thursday of week two of Advent. Then Luke tells us something really interesting in verse 29. He said, this is Luke speaking, the narrator. All the people who heard Jesus and the tax collectors too acknowledged God's plan by accepting baptism from John. It's a really interesting phrase here. Another translation of this would be rather than acknowledge God's plan. Another translation is they justified God or they vindicated God. So what's going on here? In what sense is the crowd vindicating God? It's an interesting comment. Maybe these people, the crowd here, had already been baptized by John. And so when the crowd here hears the words from Jesus about John, maybe the crowd realizes that their baptism from John had been in accordance with God's plan and God's plan of salvation. So maybe that's what it means to say that it's kind of like they retrospectively justified God. Or maybe some scholars think that Luke here is telling this, that as soon as Jesus said this, many people realized that they needed to go get baptized by John in order to uh, act in accordance with God's plan. So that's what people did. They went to get baptized by John, because indeed, John the Baptist is still alive at this point. But on the other hand, verse 30, Luke tells us, but by refusing baptism from him, the Pharisees and the lawyers had thwarted what God had in mind for them. Another translation there is, the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. So the Jewish leaders, most of them, who were experts in the Old Testament, who should have understood that John the Baptist is the final prophet who's getting people ready for the kingdom, the one who's prophesied by Malachi, they rejected John the Baptist and his baptism. And Jesus talks about this in other places, about the significance of the Jewish leaders not accepting John the Baptist. So really, Luke tells us here, and this is confirmed by Jesus, that when the Jewish leaders, most of them, when they rejected John the Baptist, they rejected God's plan for them. So here Jesus and Luke give us explicit confirmation that it was God's expectation that all those who are following God's will and seeking his kingdom ought to have been baptized by John. That was Jesus' expectation. Jesus says, you really ought to have been baptized by John if you're following God's will. And that is confirmed here by Luke. We sometimes downplay the role of John the Baptist. There are so many interesting things that are said about him by Jesus in the four gospels. Jesus here basically says... To, to the people in his time, if you've heard the preaching of John the Baptist, you need to get baptized by him in order to be part of the kingdom. That was sort of something that was expected of them in that time period. While John the Baptist was alive, 
they were expected to be baptized by him. Now, obviously, Jesus would then go on to give further revelation later, uh, which in a sense superseded John the Baptist. But it's interesting that Jesus is saying to the people in his time, the expectation is if you want to be part of the kingdom, you must be baptized by John the Baptist first. This is developed a bit later in the book of Acts when there's actually people who were refusing to come to the Messiah Jesus because they're still stuck in uh, the teachings of John the Baptist and following him even long after he's gone. So John the Baptist was a very influential figure. Uh, It can be overemphasized, as some people in the book of Acts did, but I think it's possible to also underemphasize the importance of John the Baptist. And really, the season of Advent in the Catholic Church's liturgical cycle is about reminding us of the importance of John the Baptist. Now, Jesus has more to say here. He's not finished. He's going to say more about John the Baptist. And you can hear that next part on Wednesday of week 24 in Ordinary Time. Let's finish with two short paragraphs from the Catechism about John the Baptist. Paragraph 523. St. John the Baptist is the Lord's immediate precursor or forerunner, sent to prepare his way. Prophet of the Most High, John surpasses all the prophets of whom he is the last. Then paragraph 719, John the Baptist is more than a prophet. In him, the Holy Spirit concludes his speaking through the prophets. John completes the cycle of prophets begun by Elijah. He proclaims the imminence of the consolation of Israel. He is the voice of the consoler who is coming. So that's a really nice uh, part of the catechism there. It points out that as In a sense, Elijah was the first prophet and John the Baptist is indeed the last prophet. So it's fitting that John the Baptist is kind of the new Elijah. So I'll include both of those paragraphs in the show notes uh, if you want to take a closer look at those. Thanks once again for listening today. I hope you have learned something new and we'll continue moving through the Gospels in the coming days.